Will it be Niall Davis or will it be Sharkandrick West? Sharkandrick West, also known as Shark Week. Yes, Shark West. Shark Week West. Something with a shark. Some shark name. We need to have some kind of shark name. Shark Hendrick. Shark. Nile Davis. The River Nile. Some good names here. Which one? Which one is it going to be? Find out later in the show. No, I can't do that. I can't do that. I just, I want to do it. I want to be this radio host gas bag that does the tease and just so professional. Just... Boom, ba boom, 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 ba boom, boom, ba boom, boom, boom. You know it. Like throwing ninja stars, throwing stars. Mike Greenberg. Oh, toss it over to Golik. Oh, let me do a live read. Oh, let me tease the next segment. Not that good. Not that good. Because I know what's gonna happen. I can't tease this. I want to tease this so much. Hear my thoughts on Sharkandrick West versus Niall Davis next. What to do about Jamal Charles injury next. Hear what I think about Sharkandrick West. And his potential in the Chiefs' offense. Next. <laughs> because I know what's going to happen. This this one's too important. I know what's going to happen. If I were to tease it, we would start getting into something else. I would go on some rant about something unrelated. We would start talking about a handful of other teams and players. Next thing I know, we would run out of time. And then your waivers would run tonight. And you wouldn't know who to pick up. Tell me who to pick up. Give me advice. Tell me, mansion. <sighs> Tell me. Tell me who to pick up. I need to know. Waivers are running. My team's two and three. Help. Give me advice. <sighs> you're just, you're not going to like what I have to say. I know this is, I know this. I know you all. I know what my thoughts are about this running back situation in Kansas City. And you're just not going to like any of it. It is the anti-hot take. It is the anti-helpful. I don't know how I can help you with this Niall Davis, Sharkandrick West, or Sharkandrick West, Niall Davis dilemma. I don't know how to help you. It's tricky, right? It's tricky. So we're going to get into it. Next. (laughs) Now I'm just being so obnoxious. Sometimes I just like being obnoxious because I can. It's fun. But we will talk about it in a second. But I want to get out of the way my top five pickups for this week, just so you know what they are, just so we can get it out of the way. Just before we even talk about any of these players, get it out of the way. I promise you this, we will never run out of time on a Tuesday show without me giving you five waiver wire ads. So number one is a two-parter, Sharkandrick West slash Niall Davis. Which one do I prefer? Find out next. I don't know why I think that's so funny. <laughs> this just an awful fake tease. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> Only in fantasy football would anyone really care whether Sharkandrick West gets 15 touches or Niall Davis gets 15 touches this week. But fi- fantasy football people, oh, this is all we care about! Tell me! What do I do? <laughs> Find out after this break. Find out after these words from my sponsor. The sponsor of Roto Underworld Radio is... We don't have any sponsors. We should get some sponsors. We should start to make some money with the show. We should start to monetize. I want to start to monetize the show. Maybe we should do that. Maybe. That's a good idea. Audience growing every week since we initiated the show over a year ago. Audience been just 
steadily growing, mostly on the underground sound. Most of you still like the blog talk radio underground sound, the SoundCloud hi-fi produced version of the show. That audience is growing, but slower than the simulcast over to the blog talk. There's something about this underground sound that you all love, and that's cool. But to try to get more listeners over on SoundCloud, the produced version, the higher quality audio version, I'm going to start to add some fun sound effects. I've already started doing it. Last week's show, we did some fun sound effects, some buzzard sound effects that we can't do on blog talk radio anymore. Did them with the produced version of the hi-fi version, the stereo sound version over at SoundCloud. But we should definitely try to monetize the show. If you're a sponsor, if you want to sponsor a show, if you want to get in front of an audience, fantasy football gamers, sponsor this show. We should start to make some money. We should make, make, a, make a buck or two off the show. I can do a live read. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, do a live read for anything. Help accident victims. Have you been in an accident? Have you been poisoned by your employer? Call James Sokoloff. That applies to everyone, but also there's the sporty sponsorships we could get to. Of course, there's there's these this new newfangled daily fantasy sites. They're getting pretty popular, right? They have money to spend on advertising, don't they? What's that one? Uh, what's it called there? FanDuel. Is that what it is? FanDuel, something like that. Daily Fan, Daily 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 Duel, something like that. And there's another one too. Draft Queens, King Draft. Is it King Draft? Reality Kings? No, Reality Kings is something else. Not not Reality Kings. We are not... Reality Kings will not sponsor this show. I'll tell... This is a family-friendly show. There's no Reality Kings. No Bang Bus sponsor. No, no! Those sites don't need sponsors. They already dominate internet traffic. You didn't know that? They dominate internet traffic. The highest traffic websites go to those sites in the world. Did you know that? You know now. Amazon.com? No. No, no. Reality Kings. Yes. But those are, no. We're just, no. We're doing legitimate businesses, family friendly. That's what we're going to do on the show. Who should you pick up, Niall Davis or Sharkhandrick West? Find out after this break with our sponsor. Okay, I'll stop. I've never been this intentionally obnoxious on the show, and I, I, I will not continue. I will get back to business. We've got to get down to business. Number 1A, 1B. Niall Davis, Sharkhandrick West, Sharkhandrick West, Niall Davis. Which one I prefer to be determined. Number two, Jalen Strong. For some obvious reasons. Of course, I'm the guy. You know I'm the guy that's going to be touting Jalen Strong. You know I'm the guy that likes the explosive rookies who just need their coach to take their head out of their ass and play their best playmakers and stop playing the old, tired, quote-unquote, reliable players that don't help your team score points. Yes, I am in favor of the Texans starting Jalen Strong across from DeAndre Hopkins and actually trying to give their team the best chance to win instead of starting some absurd combination of Keith Mumphrey, Cecil Shorts, and Nate Washington. Start a player that can actually score a touchdown when the ball is thrown into the end zone. A player that can actually take a pass, break a tackle, and go score a touchdown on his own. Those are the types of players that you want playing on offense, that you want to give snaps to, give targets to, because they help your team win by scoring points. That's the whole goal of the offense! So yes, the Texans got a taste of what Jalen Strong can do. And I believe they will continue to play him begrudgingly, because 
if you're going to go out and log two receptions for 60 yards and two touchdowns, you are going to wake the coaches up with five alarm clocks in the face of Bill O'Brien. That's what it takes to say, I should be in the starting lineup, you buffoon. You irrational, incredibly risk-averse, to your own detriment, head coach. I mean, all these head coaches doing this. Just so risk-averse, whether it's the play calling, whether it's the use of timeouts, whether it's when to kick field goals, when to go for it, when to play your younger players and when to play your veterans. All these decisions that coaches make during the week and in-game all have an undertone of irrational caution. Just extreme risk aversion to the detriment of the team. So risk averse that you are willing to score less points because you're just petrified. You are paralyzed with fear that you might be criticized because your team committed a turnover, for example, or that your team didn't convert a fourth down. Maddening. Why Jalen Strong wasn't the starter in week one is maddening. And they give him a couple scraps, a couple crumbs. Go out there, see what you can do, Jalen Strong. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe just give me two targets. I'll convert those. Two catches. Well over 60 yards. And how about two touchdowns? How does that sound? Okay, maybe we'll give you a few more snaps. Maybe, maybe, maybe. So in the off chance that an NFL coach somehow decides to pretend to know what he's doing, I am picking up Jalen Strong because, of course, you have to. You have to. Just in case the crazy, rare thing, the improbable, happens. Because I just envision all these coaches just walking around on the sidelines, just bent over, completely bent over, like those super flexible circus people where they fit two or three people in a box. They have these clear boxes, these plexiglass boxes, and... These, these gifted individuals that have, whether it's double-jointed or whatever it is, they can fold themselves up and fit multiple people in this little plexiglass box. They can do that. It's the circus. You go to the circus, that's what they do. So I envision the head coaches on the sideline just bent over backwards with that kind of flexibility, the flexibility that it would take to shove your head up your ass and not play Jalen Strong every snap. They, they have to do that. It, they have to be that flexible. Mike McCarthy not playing Jeff Janis. It's the same thing. Every team you can go through and you can see the irrational decisions that they make. And it all goes back to risk aversion. That's what it is. They're afraid of being embarrassed. They're afraid of answering the tough questions after the game. They do their jobs in a, in a, in a perpetual state of fear. And you can never do your job well in a perpetual state of fear. But that's just the way it is. A handful of coaches have enough career job security like Bill Belichick that they can go and do the thing that other coaches wouldn't do they can go for it in a situation that most coaches wouldn't go for they can play a player that most people would be scratching their head going you're playing that no-name rookie yeah I am yeah we're gonna play Danny Woodhead and it works out and those coaches go to the Super Bowl a lot but those are very few and far between most of them are just coaching scared and then they end up like Mike McCarthy flushing their own team out of the playoffs with bonehead after bonehead after bonehead after bonehead field goal tries instead of going for it and scoring points, trying to score points and trying to win the game. So in the off chance that Bill O'Brien uses that the incredible flexibility in his back to extract his head out of his ass 
and play Jalen Strong, you have to pick up Jalen Strong. After Sharkhandrick West and Niall Davis, Jalen Strong has to be your next pickup when you're setting up your waiver wire, your waiver order preferences. After that, it's Zach Zenner. And Zach Zenner is a pickup specifically because Jim Caldwell has his head stuck up his ass. I mean, when they zoom in on Jim Caldwell, and I love how the cameramen know about that Jim Caldwell's empty stare is a thing. And so they, they do it on purpose. They, they zoom way out on Jim Caldwell and they slowly zoom in, slowly zoom in. And he never blinks. You just don't know what he's looking at. He's just, it's just a void. And it's hilarious. But that is essentially, that is sort of the coach with his head up his ass, but yet not literally his head up his ass, but figuratively his head up his ass, literally just staring out into space, which is the same thing, really. He's just not thinking. He's paralyzed with fear. It's all the same thing. But Jim Caldwell is great because he personifies the paralyzation with fear. Is paralyzation a word? Contact the show at Roto Underworld on Twitter or email us rotounderworld at gmail.com. Paralyzation, is that a word? That's what he is. And what happens? Amir Abdullah fumbles. So Amir Abdullah is their best playmaker. Amir Abdullah is the guy that gives them the best chance to win. Give the ball to Amir Abdullah and he will give you the best chance to gain yards, get first downs, score long touchdowns, win games. That's what Amir Abdullah can help do. It's clear cut that Amir Abdullah is the best running back on the Lions. And yet, in that game, last week, we're looking through all the games. I looked through all the games, trying to talk about all these games this week. I'm not off to a great start. Clearly, I didn't bring my A game today. We've talked about virtually nobody. Jalen Strong, a little bit. I've wasted 15 minutes of your time. This has been one of my worst shows already. Because I came into this show. It's, it's funny how sometimes a host will choke. I've choked today. I have a incredibly ambitious show sheet here because I wanted to give you nuggets on all of the games from this past week. I have all these thoughts, all these interesting thoughts on players that played last week, their performances, someone from every team I have thoughts on. And it was imposing this idea that I would have to run through all of these thoughts and, 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 and do this sort of data dump on you today. And instead, how, do, how, how did I react with all this pressure, how did I react? I just, I imploded. I melted down. I melted down in front of the microphone. And I, really, I, I can't analyze the players. I don't know what's happening. I'm short-circuiting. You're, you're hearing me now. What you're hearing right now is a, is a host short-circuiting. Zach Zenner, that's what we were talking about. In that game, Zach Zenner out-touched Amir Abdullah. The Cardinals beat the Lions 42-17. to Zach Zenner, 10 carries. Amir Abdullah, 6 carries. Why? Because Amir Abdullah fumbled. Do running backs fumble? Yes, they all fumble. Are a lot of fumbles random? Yes, most of them are random. So why is Mir Abdullah being benched? We don't know. Because coaches don't make the right decisions. Most of the time, they make the wrong decision. And again, we saw it. Benching Amir Abdullah was the wrong decision. But when you look at the box scores from last week, you just have to look at them as a realist. It doesn't matter that the coach it doesn't know what they're doing, that the coaches have their heads up their asses, or they're just staring straight ahead into a void, paralyzed with fear. It doesn't matter. You just have to know what they're probably going to do. You have to try to project what they're going to do and forecast who's going to get carries and touches the next week. And I believe it's going to be Zach Zenner because of this absurd idea that you can 
fix a player's fumbling problems by telling him to, to leave the game. This absurd idea that your team's going to be better off be, by benching your most athletic running back. But this is, this is every day in the NFL these boneheaded decisions are made. And so a boneheaded decision is going to be made this week, I believe, in the form of Zach Zenner starting over Amir Abdullah. I see that happening. And I see Zach Zenner getting carries, significant carries. And it's a bummer because I'd much rather see Amir Abdullah. But I did say, I will say that I did say, I will say that I did say, that Amir Abdullah wasn't a guy to target and trade last week. This is the week to target Amir Abdullah and trade. And I still believe that. Because now, finally, the schedule softens for the Lions. It was brutal run defense after brutal run defense. I mean, this gauntlet, Denver, Seattle, Arizona. What did you expect Amir Abdullah to do against those teams? Really? Come on. Now they face Chicago. So I am trading for Amir Abdullah, and I'm picking up Zach Zenner across the board. Then I'm going to play Zach Zenner against Chicago, but for the long run, for the rest of the season, as the season plays out, I believe that Amir Abdullah will play himself back into a starting role. It just might not happen in Chicago, but it will happen. I'm confident. I'm confident in Amir Abdullah's ability. We've talked about his athleticism and his production at Nebraska and how he is one of the most fantastic running back prospects to come around in a while. So, yes, we love Amir Abdullah. We're trading for him now. Now is the time. Now is when his price is at rock bottom. Remember the enthusiasm about Amir Abdullah? Remember what a great preseason he had? Remember that? Well, that still counts. That was still a performance that he displayed against NFL defenders. He has that in him. That is what his ability looks like. It's just now it's been forgotten. The recency bias focus our attention on the games against Denver, Seattle, and Arizona. The most popular player in terms of ADP during the summer was Amir Abdullah. No one's ADP rose more than Amir Abdullah. At the beginning of the summer, Amir Abdullah was outside the 10th round. By the end of the summer, Amir Abdullah was being drafted in the fourth round in some MFL tents. It was amazing. Why? Because he's really good. And he's still really good, even though the coaches benched him and he didn't perform well against the toughest three defenses you could possibly play in a row in the NFL. The only way it could have been harder for Amir Abdullah is if Baltimore's run defense was stuck in there. That's the only way it could have been worse for him. And so sometimes small sample sizes give you selling opportunities because the player does incredibly well against soft defenses. Sometimes a small schedule sample gives you buying opportunities, and that's the case with Amir Abdullah. But it's also the case now with Zach Zenner. So essentially, I'm trading for Amir Abdullah, benching him, picking up Zach Zenner, starting him, because he's going to get carries against Chicago. He could get 10 to 20 touches against Chicago. And Zach Zenner isn't a bad running back. He's just not Amir Abdullah. But he has a 99.6 speed score, 57th percentile, 130.2 burst score, 91st percentile, and above average agility and strength. He was also very productive at South Dakota State. He accounted for 43.8% of South Dakota State's total offense. And as a rusher, as a pure runner at South Dakota State, 6.4 yards per carry was 80th percentile. So Zach Zenner is a good running back. He checks all the boxes with the exception of 40 time, not fast, 4.60, but that's less of a big deal because he's 223 pounds. So that's a red flag, but a very minor red flag on Zach Center's profile. The big 
red flag on Zach Zenner's profile is that he didn't break out until age 21. He's 24 years old. I mean, he's multiple years older than Amir Abdullah. And workout metrics have been correlated with age. The older you get, the better you are at those combine events. You just develop better footwork. You have more practice running the 40, running the three cone, running the shuttle. You have more time to let your body develop, get stronger, more bench reps. So you're a man. At 24 years old, you're a man. Zach Zenner was 23 when he participated in the combine, but he's a big, strong, older man compared to Amir Abdullah. So it makes sense that Zach Zenner would bench 25 bench reps at 225. That's what you would expect from an older player, that he would perform better at the combine than a younger player with similar athleticism. And studies have shown this, that the older running backs have better combine measurables. So for a couple reasons, the fact that Zach Center put up those huge numbers, the dominator and the yards per carry at a small school, and he did it at an older age, at an advanced age, that to me is much more of a red flag on Zach Center's profile than the 40 time, for example. But still, we're talking about a player who was average or above in all the workout metrics and had a prolific college resume, regardless of the size of the school and the competition he faced. Still impressive. So you have a player that's talented. He is going to get opportunity. He's probably going to be getting starter level touches this week against Chicago's defense. Finally, a soft defense. I mean, at last, right? Think about the offensive linemen. Think about who the offensive linemen have had to block every week. How tiring that must be. Especially having to go on the road and do this time and time again. Going out to San Diego, on the road to Minnesota, out to Seattle. Then your home games happen to be against Arizona and Denver. Now you get a home game against Chicago. I mean, what a relief for their offensive linemen. I can just see them at 0-5, the Lions... Just looking at each other and going, this happens all the time. We write off the teams in the NFL that have the awful starts. And then out of nowhere, because they're professional athletes, because they're, they're not susceptible to being demoralized and they're not out there just laying down because they know, oh, we're not going to make the playoffs. No, they're paid millions of dollars to be craftsmen at the NFL level. They're at the top 1% of the top 1%. They take a lot more pride in their profession than you probably do with your profession. And that's why we see this over and over again. These 0-6, 0-7 teams erupt out of nowhere in the middle of the season and have a big game. And you're like, where did that come from? Those are professional athletes. They care. It's not just that they take pride in their profession and want to do a good job because they're getting paid millions of dollars, but a lot of them are also playing for their next job, their next contract. They're trying to put down tape to impress the marketplace. So for a lot of reasons, I don't really care that the Lions are 0-5. You can rationalize away their 0-5 record by looking at their schedule, but Zach Zenner is absolutely a player I'm adding. The next guy I'm adding is Chris Hogan. Chris Hogan looks like the number two receiver for the Buffalo Bills. If you're interested in box scores, Chris Hogan caught all of his passes last week. Percy Harvin caught none of his passes. Think about that for a second. If you're trying to project forward who's going to be the number two receiver once Sammy Watkins returns, Chris Hogan was three for 52 in a touchdown. Percy Harvin was zero for four. 
Chris Hogan has absolutely usurped Robert Woods as, at the very least, the number three receiver for the Buffalo Bills. But I believe he's also usurped Percy Harvin because Percy Harvin is best deployed in the slot. They're going to put Sammy Watkins over at X. And I think that Chris Hogan is the new starting flanker for the Buffalo Bills. That's how I'm treating him moving forward, and therefore I am picking him up. We've seen Tyrod Taylor. How much more of Tyrod Taylor do we need to see? He's good. He's efficient. He's not prolific. He's not throwing the ball 50 times, but he is an efficient passer. Even in a game where Tyrod Taylor only had 109 yards passing, Chris Hogan was a wide receiver too in fantasy. Think about that. So yes, I'm picking up Chris Hogan. Also, to stay with the Buffalo Bills, I'm picking up Dan Heron. That's the last waiver wire ad that I have for you today because he outtouched Booby Dixon. Booby Dixon, there's something wrong with him. There just is. We, we, we know that. He's not right. He is the starter, but he was the starter in name only last week. For some reason, he's not looking like an NFL running back. I've never seen a running back. I mean, we're going, I'm talking about Matt Asiata. We're talking about the slowest plodding pseudo fullbacks. I'm not going to go full fullback on you. I'm not going to say he, he's not, he's, he's, he's less explosive than the, the fullest of the fullbacks. But you talk about those fullback hybrids, he looked slower than them. Like, there's something wrong with his lower body. And Rex Ryan confirmed this after the game. He said that Anthony Dixon is just not where we want him to be, that he has a calf injury. We liked him last week because he didn't show up on the injury report. He was going to be the starting running back this week. He could have been a bell cow in week five, I should say. He could have been a bell cow in week five. He was supposed to be a bell cow in week five, but they didn't even mark him probable. They didn't put him on the injury report. And then after the game, they said, yeah, he hasn't been right. He has this calf injury. He's been fighting. What? Hello? Thank you? I'm trying to set lineups here. I'm picking up players. And you're not telling me about these injuries? Don't you have a partnership with Daily Fantasy Sites? You can't do that to your partners. This is critical information that you're withholding. Thank you. That was a sarcastic condescending thank you. Damn you, I should say. Time is ticking. We're at 33 minutes about 12 minutes left in the show, and I still haven't given you my take on Sharkandrick West versus Niall Davis. Hope I can get to it. <laughs> that, why I think this is so funny, I don't know. This tease is just ridiculous. It's really dumb. I'm sorry. I'm a jerk. But who's not on this pickup list? People ask me, well, what, what about Willie Sneed? You don't have Willie Sneed yet? I already did a show on Willie Sneed. How many shows do we have to do on Willie Sneed? How many times does Willie Sneed have to exceed five receptions and 50 yards for you to finally pick him up. I mean, we're in like week four of the Willie Sneed experiment. You should already have rostered him or someone else has rostered him. If you're in a competitive league at all, Willie Sneed is not available. Neither is Alan Hearns. I mean, how many multiple 100-yard games does Alan Hearns need to roll up before he's no longer available on waiver wires? This is the same argument I had for the Richard Matthews criticism. Why weren't you talking more about Rashard Matthews in week four? Well, because you should have already picked up Rashard Matthews heading into week four. He had consecutive 100-yard weeks. Of course, he, he was a dud in week four, but it, once a player exceeds 100 yards, two weeks later isn't a time to tout him as a waiver wire ad. Same thing with Ronnie Hillman. He had over 100 yards and a touchdown in week four. I'm not going to put Ronnie Hillman on my list He's already owned if you're in a competitive league. Hopefully you own him instead of C.J. Anderson, as I've been instructing. Antonio Andrews, same thing. 
We were saying pick up Antonio Andrews before the Titans week four bye. So, of course, it's too late with Antonio Andrews. He's already been picked up, I'm sure. But yes, you should be picked. If he's available, yes, pick up Antonio. Of course, you pick up Antonio Andrews if he's available. Yes. Before you would pick up Jalen Strong, of course. Hearns, Hillman, Andrews, Kamar Aiken, Charles Sims, Willie Sneed, all those guys you're picking up before Strong, Zenner, Hogan, and Heron. But I'm assuming you all are in competitive leagues. If you're listening to Roto Underworld Radio, I would think that you're in a competitive league already, and I don't need to harp on Alan Hearns every week. He can't be available. It's not possible. So I will give you the Sharkandrick West take. I will. And it's a very similar take to the Zenner versus Amir Abdullah take. We know that the coaches like Sharkandrick West. Sharkandrick West is not an impressive running back. He's just not. In, in what world is Sharkandrick West impressive? He went to a small school, Abilene Christian, but his college dominator is 22.0%, 30th percentile. I mean, how is that possible? If you're a stud athlete at a small school like Zach Zenner was, albeit at an advanced age, you need to dominate that level of competition. If you can't demonstrate a domination of that level of competition, I refuse to believe that you are the long-term solution at running back for an NFL franchise. I refuse to believe it. I do not think Sharkandrick West is a long-term solution for the Chiefs. Just like I don't think Devonta Freeman is the long-term solution for the Atlanta Falcons. But I believe Tevin Coleman's rib injury was to Devonta Freeman what Michael Vick's hamstring popping was to Nick Foles in 2013. I don't think Nick Foles is the long-term answer for any NFL franchise at the quarterback position. But that doesn't mean that for a temporary period of time, for a partial season, that Nick Foles in 2013, like C.J. Anderson in 2014, these players can come in for half a season play soft defenses, and fool us with lucky, random, prolific counting stats. Nick Foles fooled us in the second half of 2013, throwing it up to Riley Cooper against the AFC West's bad defenses at the time and the NFC East's bad defenses at the time, shredding Washington and Oakland with Riley Cooper. Totally fooled us. Fooled me. I drafted Riley Cooper. I'm raising my hand. I, dra- I didn't draft Riley Cooper. Did I say that? No, I'm not racist. I drafted Nick Foles in a 2QB dynasty league. And I will never, I will take it to my grave. I will never tell you. I will never reveal how high I took Nick Foles in that dynasty league. The draft happened February 2014, right after Nick Foles had the best passer rating in the NFL. He had a better he had better per game numbers in 2013 than Peyton Manning. Nick Foles was absolutely epic in 2013 and he wasn't very good. CJ Anderson was absolutely epic in 2014 and he wasn't very good. Devonta Freeman has been epic so far in 2015 and he's not very good. And there is a chance that Sharkandrick West could be Great in 2015 as the replacement for Jamal Charles and still not be very good. That's the problem that we have. Now, the Nick Foles situation was a super rare outlier. You don't normally see a quarterback play that well for eight games. That's a lot to ask of a quarterback. Most of these quarterbacks are exposed after just a couple games if they're not true NFL caliber talents. 
So for Nick Foles to string together eight games in a row of great performances, that was impressive. That was rare. You're not going to see that very often. Where you do see it a lot more is with, like with last year, you saw it with Jeremy Hill, you saw it with C.J. Anderson. Running backs every year fool us with randomness. They get thrust into situations because of injuries, and if they have a good offensive line, and if they're on a prolific offense, they will put up huge counting stats and totally fool us. That's what Devonta Freeman is doing right now. He's fooling a lot of people. And quietly, the Kansas City Chiefs have revamped their offensive line. They now have a top 10 offensive line grade on playerprofiler.com. And Alex Smith now has weapons. Alex Smith is moving the football down the field. He is matriculating the football down the field much more efficiently than he has in the past. He's throwing the ball deep a little bit to Chris Conley. Travis Kelsey is a yards after the catch monster. Alex Smith finally has a number one receiver, a true target hog that he can rely on in Jeremy Macklin. So Sharkandrick West is going to slide into that starting running back role and he will probably produce. Yes, he will. The coaches like him. He's not as good as Niall Davis, just like Devonta Freeman isn't as good as Tevin Coleman, and that's not going to matter. I like Niall Davis in a vacuum more than I like Sharkandrick West. In the situations that we know they are going to be in, knowing how the coaches feel about these players, knowing what their roles are going to be, you have to prefer Sharkandrick West over Niall Davis. So I like Sharkandrick West more than Niall Davis. When I'm submitting my fab bids, I will be putting twice as much on Sharkandrick West as I will be on Niall Davis. While Sharkandrick West, while Shark Attack, we should just call him Shark Attack. While Shark Attack had a, a, just an embarrassing Dominator rating at a small school, he does run a 4.5140, which is 70th percentile, and a 134.796th percentile burst score. He has a great burst. But he's small, he's not agile, and he hasn't demonstrated the ability to be a, a true workhorse at any level of football. So it's difficult for me to be that enthusiastic about Sharkandrick West. I am not going to commit an entire fab budget to trying to get him. I'm not going to go all in on Sharkandrick West like I advise you to go all in on Dante Moncrief. I'm not going to do that. I can't. Because the presence of Niall Davis. Because Sharkandrick West could face plant. I don't think he will because the running back position is very much a cog in a machine. It is a symbiotic relationship. The success of the offense and the success of the offensive line has a huge say in how productive the running back is. So that alone, just by being part of a system that's blocking well and has a decent number of red zone visits, Sharkandrick West could be productive. But Niall Davis is a better player. Niall Davis runs a 4-3-7 at 227 pounds, that's a 124.7 speed score. Niall Davis has the best speed score in the playerprofiler.com database. In his second-to-last season at Arkansas, he had over 1,300 yards rushing and over 10 touchdowns. His second-to-last season, he was prolific at the college level, and he's hugely athletic. So because of the presence of Niall Davis, I am not as excited about Sharkandrick West as others might be. So what I'll probably do is roster Niall Davis and hope for the best.